0: Good morning, everyone. Glad to see you here. Uh, We are in our third week of this Intentional Living series. We're looking at two Old Testament passages and two New Testament passages. And we remember a couple weeks ago, we started in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, the 7-11 principle, which says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And we love verse 11. You know why? because it's about blessing me, right? I'd love to be blessed. Put that on a t-shirt, put that on a coffee mug, right? Bless me, Lord. And it's true. We love verse 11 because it reminds that us that God wants to bless me. But we learned the 7-11 principle is that don't forget verse 7, that we learned that we far, far too often forget it, because also seek the peace and prosperity of the city in which you live, in which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, so you too will prosper. So the 7-11 principle reminded us that you don't get 11 until you first do seven, that the blessings of God from verse 11 happens to people who take on a lifestyle of verse seven of blessing others. Yes, God wants to bless you as you seek the blessing of others. And then last week we learned from Ephesians 2.10 that we are a poema with a purpose, for Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so that means that we are God's poemma, that we are his masterpiece, his beloved work of art. And yes, for all of you artists out there, beloved works of art that hang on a wall, but also beloved arts of work, uh, works of art in the hands of God, a tool specially crafted for God's purposes. And today we're going to learn that we are blessed to be a blessing from Genesis 12, 2. It says this, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Now for 67 years, our church, CPC, our family here, we've been blessing others. We have been searching God's word. We've been engaging with God's wisdom. We've been following God's ways. And so I simply want to ask you to join me in a prayer that, God, you might move anew in us in this season of ministry and life. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we want to pay attention to you. Pay attention to your presence, for you are the guide. Uh, You shape us. You encourage us. You equip us. And you send us out. And so, Lord, may we hear a word through your scriptures that you want to specifically speak to us with. Shape our hearts and minds around you and your will and your ways, Lord. Show us, Lord, what you have for us and that we may share with others. Open us up to your word. We ask this in your name. Amen. And so what we're going to do, we're going to take a look at Genesis 12, mainly the first couple of verses, but I need to give you a little bit of background because we're not doing a whole series on Abraham or a whole series on Genesis, so... Give me a few minutes to do this as I I spend some time. So, a little background. Abraham is the father of the Jews, and he's honored by Jews and Muslims and Christians. That's a big deal. Lots of people on this planet love Abraham, and you should too. Now, Abraham, Abraham was born and raised in Ur of the Chaldees, which is in Iraq, and some believe that even that region is somewhere near Babylon, okay? You hear that? city Babylon come up a lot in the Bible. Now, in Joshua 24, verse 2, it says that Abraham's family worshiped idols. And that means that when God called Abraham in Genesis 12, 1, which we just read, God told him to go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. So he was to leave behind all that he knew, all that was familiar, not just his land, but also his home, his clan, and his religion leave all of it. And as a likely worshiper of a, the moon god that was in that region and other deities, Abraham must have been surprised to receive a call from God known as Yahweh speaking to him. <laughs> he's a moon worshiper, <laughs> he's in Iraq. And yet Abraham obeyed God's call. Now he's called Abram in this section. it be later his name is changed to Abraham. Sarai, her the wife, would also, her name would be changed. I'm gonna call him Abraham for today's purposes. And so Abraham obeyed God's call. And when he arrived in the land of Canaan, he built an altar to Yahweh at this place called Shechem. That's Genesis 12:7. And then we learn from the New Testament, because you're going to see Abraham's name all over the New Testament, because he's the father of the Jews, right? You're, we're going to see in Hebrews 11:8 it says that Abraham's departure from Ur, which is in Iraq, was an example of faith in the one true God put into action. And so what God says later in Genesis 17, verse 1, to Abraham, he says, I am the God Almighty, Walk before me and be blameless. Now, in order for God, right, to take the moon worshiper Abraham from Iraq and turn him into the father of the Jews, he had a very special plan. And the special plan was for God to establish a covenant of circumcision with Abraham. Now, some of you know, I have two little theologians at home named Avery and Grace in ages 12 and 7. They love reading the Bible. We talk about the Bible all the time. They're into it. I don't force it upon them. They they like it. it. The other day, uh, I was pontificating. Because you know, I am a doctor now. So I was pontificating about theology with my daughters. And I was talking about God not being in our own space and time. He's not limited by space and time. He enters into it. And so Avery asked, well, then, can Jesus time travel? Like, literally asking that. So then I pontificated more about space, you know, the space-time continuum and quantum mechanics and God's sovereignty and, you know, said something kind of doctorish, right? Um, And then last week, she was reading the Bible again and says, Daddy, what's circumcision? I'm a doctor now, so I can answer these questions better. I thought about it, and I said, Katie, your daughter has a question for you. Now, Abraham doesn't understand quite who this God is, why he has to leave moon worship, why he has to go from this land of Ur to a land of Canaan. There's other people living there already doesn't understand why I'd have to do this circumcision. Why is this medical procedure necessary? I'm just telling you, our new members class is way easier than that. So (laughs) why this thing, God? Here's the thing. I don't think Abraham understood. He obeyed. It didn't make sense. He obeyed. There might be something in your life that doesn't make sense, and God is asking you to obey. And again, I'm just a preacher, the Spirit, I believe, is speaking to each of you individually. Lord, what do you have for me today? What do you want me to learn from this? Lord, there's something that doesn't make sense in my life. Show me how to obey. What doesn't make sense in your finances right now? So, say, oh, that's a long list, Pastor Tim. What doesn't make sense for you right now? That relationship, a conflict. Lord, help me to trust you. In the midst of not understanding, Abraham demonstrated his faith in God's plan, forming a special people. He doesn't understand how God's going to make him the father of the Jews, right, this great nation. And maybe God is asking you to obey him, to take a step of faith, and you don't get it. Your prayers aren't being answered the way that you want them to be. And God is saying, trust me, perhaps that's something the Lord is nudging you with this morning. I'm going to give you another observation from this story. In Genesis 12, 1 to 2, again, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you so that your name will be great, so that you will be a blessing. Now Abram, again, also known as Abraham, he is called the father of the Jews. But if you think about it, he wasn't a Jew himself. They didn't exist yet okay? God took him from a people in Iraq and said, I'm going to make a holy and great nation through you. So I want you to get this idea. Abraham did not have the resume to become this great nation. He wasn't even a Jew himself, and he's going to become the father of the Jews. How's this going to happen? Well, God. But Abraham lacked impressiveness. He didn't have the resume probably needed. But with God, anything can happen. So not only was Abraham not a Jew, because they didn't exist yet, Abraham himself probably worshiped idols just like his father, Terah. And some think Terah not only worshiped idols and and brought that into the family, but he may have been an actual idol maker. So he was in the whole moon worshiping industry as well. Talk about a least likely candidate to form a nation, holy and separate for God. A moon-worshiping family that has a whole industry of idol worship. Abraham lacks spiritual soundness. That's clear. And Abraham, you might know from the text, he was not a young man when God called him. And even older, once he finally had an heir that could fulfill the promise of this great nation, Abraham lacked the physical abilities that you would expect to become this great nation. And so let me tell you, if God could take an idolatrous, non-Jew like Abraham, who was imperfect in many ways, and this is just a short list, he, and make him one of the heroes of our faith, make him one of the greatest names on the planet, I wonder if God could take you and do something with your life. He you said, well, Tim, you don't know my background. Well, God does. <laughs> You don't know, my my spiritual life isn't quite intact. Well, we'll take care of that. God can take care of that. We can work with that. If he can work with Abraham, he can work with you. That's good news. We have this great, good God who is able to work with whatever we give him. Because remember, he made you. Abraham, who's imperfect in so many ways, is a man of great faith. And so listen, your background does not define you. Put your faith in God and see what God can do. Let him define you. Divorce doesn't have to define you. Doubt doesn't have to define you. Disease doesn't have to define you. And praise God through Jesus Christ, even death does not define you. What defines you is a sovereign God who loves you. It's a sovereign God who says he has a plan for you. It's a sovereign God who can say he can take the mess of you and use it for good. So don't let anyone or anyone else define you because there's hope for you with this good and sovereign God. Let him define you. He did it for Abraham, he could do it for you. If you take a look at Genesis 12, 8, you see Abraham's ongoing growing faith as he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. As Abraham grew in his faith, he continued to trust in the Lord. He got more clarity about his walk with the Lord. So I want to ask you a very simple question, because every week that we meet on Sunday, I don't want to take for granted or assume that all of you follow Jesus yet. We hope you do, but if not, we want to help you take another step closer to putting your full faith in him. But this word right here, he called upon the name of the Lord. We want you to call upon the name above all names, the only name that can give you life and hope. If you call upon any other name then death and disease and doubt and divorce and debts do define you. Jesus Christ is the only name that can become a greater definition than all. You must say yes to him. Do you hear him calling? Maybe for someone today, if you're here, you're listening, Calling you to say a clear yes, to call upon the name of Jesus Christ. Forgive me for my sins. I confess my need. I've been trying to live life on my own. It's not working. Maybe you've been coming to church your whole life, but maybe today is a day of clarity. I need to call upon the name of the Lord. I need to walk with Jesus. Oh, maybe that's you. Let us know. We'd love to pray with you and talk you through how to take next steps. God has a promise for those who respond to his call. Don't leave this room. Don't stop watching this until you've said yes to him. In Genesis 12, 2, again, God says, I will make of you a great nation. And I want to give you a little background because this whole idea of uh, making a great nation has all these major events. And so the first major event for the nation of Israel is the call of Abraham. What we're looking at right now. And then there's the birth of Isaac, his son. And then they have someone named Joseph in Egypt, another descendant of Abraham. And then the miraculous exodus from Egypt through God's miraculous use of Moses. And then Moses gets the law while they're wandering in the wilderness. And then Joshua claims the land. And by the way, that's God's promise in Genesis 12, 7 that we just read fulfilled. When Joshua claims the land that God promised to Abraham in Genesis 12. And then you have three kings of the United Kingdom that's Saul and David and Solomon. And then you have the kingdom, it unfortunately, heartbreakingly splits into two. They have a civil war Israel and Judah. And then what happens in the midst of this split, the Assyrians take over Israel to the north and disperse all the people. And then finally, evil Babylonians come and they destroy and take away the south, which is Judah. And then a miraculous return of all of these Jews back to their homeland. And then finally, the last great act of the formation of the, the great nation of Israel is the promise of the coming Messiah. Genesis 12.3 is fulfilled. Where it says, in you, you, Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Well, how will that happen? Through Jesus. So you see the big picture of the story of the great nation of Israel? It all begins with the call of the moon-worshipping Iraqi from the Ur of Chaldeans, Abram, the guy with no resume. See, Genesis 12, 2, again, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Now, ancient Jews would have understood blessing to mean flourishing in all its various ways. That's financial flourishing, relational flourishing, physical flourishing in every way, not just happiness. So if Abram obeys God's call to go from his clan's house in Haran then what follows is relational, material, financial, spiritual flourishing. It's a promise of blessing and flourishing on a massive global scale. Abram's name would be known as great amongst the world if he would obey God, which is interesting because that's a direct contrast to the chapter before in Genesis 11. Because in Genesis 11, the builders of the Tower of Babel sought to make their own names great through their efforts to reach up to God and to prove that they didn't need God, we have us. But God says, no, I'm going to make this one person great, this one with no resume, this one with no strength, this one with the bad spiritual background. I'm going to choose to make him great and his name great because God's in charge. A direct contrast to Genesis 11. And so we see that God's prophetic word did not stop at Abram's greatness, but rather with his identity as a conduit of blessing. Because God clarifies that you will be a blessing. And so we as children of Abraham through Jesus Christ, we believe we have that same call, that each believer is called and equipped and then sent, that we are blessed to be a blessing just like Abraham, that God blesses all believers in Christ and prepares them to share their blessings to a world in need. Again, we see that verse again, Genesis 12, 2. And God says, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And so, friends, we are blessed to be a blessing You know, while while writing my dissertation, I actually had one of my readers uh, actually challenge me uh, that maybe I was over-applying the call of Abraham to believers in general, that God maybe intended this blessed to be a blessing to be only for uh, the great patriarch Abraham. So that's a fair question, because in this text, God is speaking to Abraham. When he says you, he doesn't mean you or you or you. He means Abraham is who he's speaking to. But for the Christian, I want to remind you of 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. For, for all scriptures, God-breathed and useful for teaching and correcting and, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And though, so, though we should be careful to not over-apply, right, and read into Scripture too much and applying it to our lives, we also must be careful not to con- confine a passage to say, well, that's only true for thousands of years ago for one man named Abraham. Now, I think God has a word for you today through this text. The God of the Holy Spirit who was working in Abram's life thousands of years ago, that same spirit is here today and wants to work in you and work on your bad resume and your bad spiritual background and your weak faith, right? Right? He wants to work with you. The same spirit, thousands of years later, is ready to speak and work with you. God fulfilled his word to bring a descendant of Abraham who would bless the whole world through his death and resurrection. And I want you to lead today knowing that, that yes, this is a true and better Abraham, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he's here right now, and he wants to bless you so that, just like Abraham but in a different, unique way, that you will be a blessing. Friends, we're blessed to be a blessing. Now, when I traveled to Israel some years ago, I got to visit all the sites, and I visited the Dead Sea. And in the Dead Sea, it really is dead. There's so much of a salt and mineral content. There's no fish, there's no plants. But the cool thing is you can float in the water, right, without having to paddle or swim because the density of the minerals are so high you float but it's all dead and then I visit the sea of Galilee and it's teeming with life and plants and, and and birds and fish and even people right teeming with life what's the difference well the dead sea has plenty of water coming in but it has no channels going out very interesting Sea of Galilee has tons of water coming in and lots of water going out. The difference is the outflow. The difference is as it receives, it naturally gives. There's something about this cycle of life that as you receive, you are wired and meant to give and to share and to bless. God's made you that way. You know, in Acts 7, you're going to see Abraham's name again, because when you look in the Old Testament or New Testament, you'll see Abraham named all the time. And in the New Testament, they're talking about Father Abraham, right? The father of the Jews, which led to Jesus Christ, that the Savior, the Messiah for the nation of Israel, who is the Savior for the world. And in Acts 7, what it says is that it tells us that Abraham actually believed the word from God before he left Ur, In other words, we see in Genesis 12, Abraham's actually getting the word while he's in a city called Haran. But Acts 7 tells us that God spoke to Abraham while he was still in Iraq, in Ur. So that likely means that Abraham talked to Terah, his father, and the whole moon-worshiping family, and had to convince them that, uh, by the way, um... I knew God spoke to me. But anyways, um, we need to leave our business and our land and go to a whole new life to a place that God's going to show us, okay? <laughs> that in Acts 7, we learn that he got the word not just in Genesis 12, but prior to that, God spoke to him in the land of Ur. That takes faith. And then in Genesis eleven thirty one, it says that actually on the way from Ur, to the land of Canaan, the whole clan stopped in Haran. It was a pit stop for five years, pit stop. They didn't make it the whole way. The whole clan stopped in Haran and stayed there for years. So what does that mean? That Abraham got the call while he was in Ur, and said, yes, Lord, I'll go. Everyone, follow me. And then they stopped in Haran, and they stopped moving. He stopped short of the call. Or you can say that Abraham, he was a procrastinator. Now, I know a little bit about procrastinating. You know why? Just finished my doctoral dissertation. Started in 2008. Some of you weren't born then, okay? And somehow, because I was a math major at UCLA, I'm really good at multiplication. I turned a six-year program into 13. Magic. Yay. Because I'm a procrastinator. I understand Abraham. He got a call to leave. He says, God, yes, I'll go. And he leaves the land of Ur. And he said, we're going to take a stop in Haran. And he kept stopping. And he kept staying. And he never got up until years later. You know, at some point, Abraham had to decide to obey the word of the Lord and get up and go. And there just must be someone who needs to hear that today. At some point, you just got to get up and go. You got to get up and follow the Lord. Maybe that's the first time saying yes to the Lord. And amen, we had several, several people this past summer Say yes to the Lord. you got to get up and go. The Lord's tugging on your heart maybe for a while. You get up and you go. At any age, as young people, older people, no matter what stage of life, you get up and go. You can be a Christian and you're saved, but you're stuck somewhere. God is saying, it's time to get up and go. And I just have to believe by faith the Spirit is speaking to someone today. You came today and you're wondering about something the Lord's been nudging about. And you're stuck in a relationship. You're stuck in a decision. It's time to get up and go. Would you be seeking the Lord's word for confirmation of that, whatever that might be? Because at some point, Abraham had to decide. Because God doesn't want us to waste any more time. Time is short. Intentional living, which is what our whole series is about, means we live every day for the Lord. So would you search your heart? Holy Spirit, search me and know me, O God. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. See if there's any stuck way in me. And lead me. Get me walking. Help me to get up and go. Lead me in your ways. Lord, show me where I'm stuck. It all belongs to him in the first place. So, when God calls, don't delay. You know, a man named Lee Strobel just released a new book called The Case for Heaven. And in it, he shares his own near death experience. And after that near death experience, you realize this one way or another, next week or in decades, you're going to creep up to the dividing line between now and forever. And when you slip from this world, what will you find? A void of non-existence? A dark realm of regret and recrimination? Or a reality that is so vivid, more exhilarating, more rewarding, more real than anything you've ever known? At that moment, in the midst of that existential transition, nothing will be more important. And if it will matter so much then, isn't it worth investigating now? See, Abraham had a choice. And God broke through Abraham's stuckness in Haran and perhaps stuck idol worshiping or stuck with fear about leaving the familiar or stuck thinking, could God really use me? Did I really hear him? Was I just making it up in Ur or maybe I've come to my senses now? Was that really him? Maybe God is speaking to you today and revealing to you, yes, Lord, I do want to call upon your name. I want to get unstuck. Yes, Lord, bless me so that I might be a blessing. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, would you teach us what it means to be the kind of person that listens to your voice? Oh, Lord, show us how you have wired us. That yes, we are to receive your blessings, we are to receive your your hope and your goodness and your love, but we are wired for that to overflow outward to others. Lord, I pray for the Christians in this room, and you have a call on their life. It doesn't mean they have to go to Africa, but Lord, bless those who you're calling to go to Africa. But bless those that you are calling to stay right here and to be a blessing in their school. And to be a missionary in their workplace and to use their art and their writing or their cooking or their plumbing or their accounting for your glory, Lord. Would you reveal to us Christians, Lord, that you have made us for a purpose. Lord, that you have blessed us to be a blessing. And Lord, I pray especially for those as well who are listening and who have not yet called upon your name, that this might be the day, the moment that they would see, Jesus, you truly are the fulfillment of the prophecy that came through the line of Abraham. You truly are the savior, not just of Israel, but of the entire world. I give my life to you. I confess my need for you. Yes, I'm a sinner. I've been trying to lead life of my own. I've been defining my life by other things that aren't you, Lord, forgive me. I receive you, Jesus, come into my life. Make me new. Well, I pray for anyone who's prayed something like that, Lord. You reveal to them that that the Holy Spirit promises to come into them and seal them and speak to them and help lead them from this day forward. Lord, thank you for your grace. For all of us who are stuck in some way, show us, Lord, how to take a step of faith and trust you even when it doesn't make sense and that you'd use me as you bless me to be a blessing. And it's your name that we pray these things, Jesus. Amen.